Good to go. Yes. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Deja Vu Duo podcast with Isaac and Sarah. So this week we watched the 2011 Disney Channel original movie Lemonade Mouth. Starring Bridget Mandler, Adam Hicks, Hayley Kiyoko, Naomi Scott and Blake Michael. Sarah, why don't you just give us a bit of a plot overview to start with? Yes. Okay, so we start with a voiceover as a sort of framing device from Olivia, the lead singer of the band, essentially talking about how they all got to being in the band. And we learn that the five, no, sorry, the four members of the band met in detention. No, there are five. No, there are five of them. Why do I think there were four? There are definitely five. Three girls and two boys. Yes. Okay. So five members of the band, they all meet in detention, sort of breakfast club style. Um, and they, we are shown why all five of them are there um, for various reasons. Stella is there for, um, Stella, played by Hayley Kiyoko, is there for trying to stand up against authoritarian dress code rules, telling her that she can't wear a t-shirt that says questions authority. Uh, Charlie, who is played by Blake Michael, I've already, I've literally cannot express that I watched this movie f not five minutes before we started recording and I've forgotten why he was in detention. Um, uh, oh, no, I know. So... Part of Charlie's character is that he has a very successful uh, brother. You're right, I remembered. So he uh, <laughs> kicks a football during soccer tryouts and kicks it uh, towards someone who's been essentially making fun of him and accidentally hits his coach instead. Um, so he ends up with detention. Um, Wen, who is played by Adam Hicks, ends up in detention because... This is problematic that I've forgotten this as well. I also don't remember why he's in detention for some reason. Olivia, who is played by Bridget Mandler, is in detention because she was spending her time just sort of reading in a storage cupboard. I think the issue was that she was skipping her class. Right, I think, yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, she was skipping class to read in a storage cupboard and was discovered by their principal. Um, Mo, played by Naomi Scott, is caught skiving off with her boyfriend. Um, so they all end up in detention together and they are having detention in the basement where all of the sort of arts clubs for the school have been, and basically anything that's not a sport, has been relegated to the basement of the school. Um, and while they're there, they start playing music together and the music teacher, who was supposed to be running detention, overhears them and says that they should start a band and prove to the principal, who is this, again, very sort of dictatorish figure, um, who only cares about sports, they can prove that the arts and music is important. Um, so they start this band. Things kind of take a little bit of getting used to for them. You know, they... I mean, there's a sort of bit where they say, we weren't a natural fit from the beginning, even though when they meet, they immediately all play the same song, and it's kind of amazing. Um, but they, they're pretty good. Pretty much from the get-go, they're pretty good. Their main concern is that there is another band at the school that everyone loves, made up of sort of popular jocks, one of whom is Mo's secret boyfriend. Um, 
and this band, which is called Mudslide Crush, is very angry that there's another band competing for their attention. Uh, so they basically prove themselves, they perform at a Halloween party, and everyone loves them. So uh, this is all set against the backdrop of them all having their own individual sort of family issues. Oh my gosh, I meant to say this right at the beginning, and I... So, <laughs> I'll jump in and say, yeah. so, so, for Olivia... The main thing is that she lives with her grandmother and her mother has passed away and her father's whereabouts are unknown for most of the movie. Yeah, her dad's not in the picture and, and that is revealed to us later on why he's not in the picture. Charlie has this pressure of living up to his older brother who, as Sarah mentioned, is like the prince of the family. He's got this amazing ride at, I think it's Stanford, to play soccer. Um, and there's so much expectation on him to make the team, whereas he just wants to play drums. Uh, Stella, Hayley Kyoko's character, has... I think they make a big point of it. She's just moved uh, schools after one month of so the So she's year. transferred into this school um, having when the school year's already started, so she already feels very out of place, and then it's made very clear she feels very out of place in her own family, where... Her parents are clearly very, very academic. I think her dad is a doctor or a, a scientist. Her mum is definitely a scientist. And both her younger twin brothers seem to be sort of child prodigies as they well. They don't really make clear. They just dress them up really smart and was they, they make her there. They make a comment where she says they're all having dinner and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not curing cancer or creating something amazing. And then she looks at her oh, yeah, brothers and says, toys. oh, they're building their own toys. Mm -hmm. So... Um, yeah, so she struggles with kind of being the black sheep of the family. And Wen's big thing, which I will come to in a minute, is that his dad has a younger girlfriend who it is explicitly stated is 28. She's not crazily young. Um, she is at least 10 years older than Wen himself. But I think it, it's also the fact that his parents have split up. And yeah, and he feels like that. this woman is trying to worm her way into his family. Um was that all of them? No, I oh, and Mo, Mo is Indian, and she has Indian parents who don't want who want her to be focusing on her studies, and she feels kind of out of place. Um, so yes, sorry, I don't know why I didn't mention that when I talked about all the characters at the beginning. Um, so they are kind of working through those, and because they all kind of feel like outcasts, they really manage to make this little community for themselves through the band and they come to be friends beyond just making music together and it's all very lovely. However, the principal is not happy about this, especially because Stella in particular views this as kind of an opportunity to stand up for not only herself and her own self-expression but saying very publicly that the arts deserve a place in the school and shouldn't be underfunded and pushed out by sports um and due to a series of events that take place essentially i think she kind of stages a bit of a protest at this halloween party and the principal gets angry and says they aren't allowed to perform at the school anymore however everyone has loved their music so much they kind of become the face of sort of anti-establishment within the school yeah and so everyone's loved their music so much that there's people are still playing it, people are still putting up posters everywhere, even though they're not actually allowed to play on the school premises. They have a sort of regular gig at this pizza place. Um, however, things start to go a bit downhill as, um, I think, what is it? Mo gets ill, just out of nowhere she gets ill. And... Um, 
Charlie breaks his hand while he's um, basically, oh, before this, they get kicked out of the pizza place where they had their regular gig because the lead singer of Mudslide Crush got, was basically heckling them and started a fight at the pizza place. Um, so they're feeling pretty down because they're like, we can't perform at school, we can't perform at this pizza place. Then Mo gets sick, Charlie breaks his hand, Wen drops a painting on his own face and gets a black eye. I have a comment about that. But yeah, <laughs> and the idea is that he then can't really play keyboard because he can't really see. Um, Olivia loses her voice, I think just from shouting at Wen. I think that was what was implied. I don't know, I thought she got sick as well. I don't no, know. but she wasn't sick, she just couldn't speak. Well, anyway, anyway um, they get to the, the, the... This is also set against the backdrop of um, there's this big competition for bands to play and the winner gets a record deal and they're going up against uh, Mudslide Mud Crush. Crush. So it all This is not a good summary, I <laughs> realise now, that I thought that... I think, I, in my defence, the story is a lot more complicated than I gave it credit there, for when I lot... started the film. <laughs> There's a lot going on, and it it sort of culminates in that in their sort of band slam sort. Yeah, of they have this battle comp of the band competition. style they, competition. They had they they you know they still are the voice. And in the meantime, uh, worth worth noting that Mo breaks up with her boyfriend because he doesn't really understand why she cares so much about this, and she says, you know, it's important to me. I love music. This is really important that I do something for myself, and she breaks up with him because. After all this, she sees him with another girl, but he's already not been a great boyfriend up to this point. Um, she breaks up with him, and he feels pretty guilty about how he and the rest of the band have been treating Lemonade Mouth, their band. All culminates with this competition called, Ri called Rising Star, where the winner gets a record deal, and basically, because they're all sick and injured, they do horrendously. However, the audience get up on their feet and sing a song because the band means a lot to them. And it is revealed that even though they don't win the competition, obviously, they still go on to become really successful and it ends with them playing Madison Square Garden. And it's a really nice happy ending. And um, Mo's boyfriend ends up becoming their backup guitar player and they get back together. Now, that, despite how much we both just said, I feel like we I left a lot out because a lot happens in this movie a lot happens in this movie and well we can get to that and when we're talking more about sort of what we liked and disliked how do you remember lemonade mouth back in 2011 i remember liking this movie i remember i don't think it had a massive massive impact on me but i remember thinking it was good and enjoying it I do remember very specifically not liking the character of Wen for no particular reason other than I found him annoying <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember, uh, not, I didn't have any personal bias against Wen, um, but I remember when this movie came out, it was kind of, it was really, it was really, it felt, it felt really different to There's... the sort of thing that uh, Disney Channel usually put yeah, out. You know, definitely... there was, there was, you know, even though there was that air of positivity to it and saying, you know, be yourself, you know find what's good in you and that sort of thing. It wasn't, you know, very happy clappy in the way that other it, sort of Disney Channel movies are. You've totally are. put your finger on it. There's something really different about it than a lot of these Disney Channel movies, especially of the time. Like, obviously, we just talked about Starstruck. It felt... That was only a year before this, and it feels very different in tone. I will say, I think a huge part of that is because it is based on a book, which we can get into this, but I did my research, and the book 
clearly is much darker than the film even is. And the film is already has kind of a much darker tone than a lot of these Disney Channel movies. It, it, it feels a lot yeah. more grounded in it reality. It touches on sort of lots of... I think maybe not... There, there will be a lot of teenagers who have similar sort of angst in their life. Yeah. Whether that be, you know, pressure from parents or just the idea of... Um, arts are considered lesser than sports, you know, whatever home lives they may have. And I think a teenage, at least I've found it more relatable than something like Starstruck or yeah. even High School Musical. I definitely felt like it managed to get the issues that I think High School Musical is kind of the epitome of this, of, you know, really finding yourself through music, but it does it in a way that actually made a lot more sense to me at the time. Yeah. Um, I will go on to say that I think it's interesting for me watching it now that at the time I felt like the thing that I connected to most was, you know, oh, they all feel like outcasts and they don't really understand, they, like, they, they don't feel understood by their peers and stuff like that. Um, and as I'm sure most teenagers of the time probably felt the same way. Now, as an adult, I was watching this going, yeah, the arts are important. They're so right. The arts shouldn't be underfunded. This was the thing I cared about the most watching this movie. Yeah, I mean, I have some problems with the way that's portrayed, but that that's a different issue. Okay. I mean, what looking at this film, what were the things that you just really, really, really liked about this? Okay, let me get my notes and tell you something about the dynamics between all of m not all most of the characters felt very real to me i felt like it was much more accurate than a lot of these films are there are still some things that are very classic teen movie disney channel movie especially like the bullying and like kids being mean to each other was very like this is not how it actually goes down in schools however i really felt like the friendships between them and specifically stuff like I made a point of saying like I said Mo's boyfriend is not that great to her but they kind of make up by the end of the movie because he realizes that he's not been a great boyfriend and yeah I mean if like I on that point I actually really like the fact that they could have gone a really obvious route with that by making you know it, it's shown throughout the movie that Charlie really likes Mo um and he has like for a long time but and that could have been the really obvious route to go down but actually they made it a little bit more realistic because in real life you know someone may just get back with their and, boyfriend and he didn't this. he wasn't terrible he wasn't a great boyfriend but he makes it very clear that he understands why he wasn't a good boyfriend and they get back together and the ways in which he is not a good boyfriend felt a lot more realistic to me than him just cheating on her or whatever, it was literally him just thinking that his music was more important than hers, which I felt was much more real. However, I do think the fact that she doesn't end up with Charlie is just a happy accident, because in the book they end up together. Yeah, I saw that. And the only reason that I think that they don't in the film is because Naomi Scott was 19 at the age, at the time of making this movie, and Blake Michael, who plays Charlie, was 15 years old. You should see this TikTok, so Blake Michael... <laughs> Blake Michaels on TikTok. And, of course he is. <laughs> and someone took a picture of him from Lemonade Mouth and it's just like, how is this guy 15? How is this guy 15? I, if anyone who listens to this, go look up Lemonade Mouth and look at what he looks like because he looks way, way older than he is. I will say that finding that out, I looked it up pretty early on while watching the movie. I wanted to see how old they all were. 
Um, and I think all of them are 19 to 20 except for him. And that is just so interesting to me that, like, he looks the same age as all, all of them. But I will say that he kind of seemed... He did seem a bit more like a teenager in just some ways. And I don't know whether that's because of just the way the character is written. But, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I do think that's probably why they don't get together is just because he's he was so young. Maybe. I mean, that would make sense. And speaking on Mo's boyfriend, you know, he... One thing that I think Disney movies sometimes lack is, like, genuine character development. And even though he's a side character, yeah. you can see that he's gone from being selfish and only caring about himself to, you know oh, you know, I need to look out for Mo. She has a passion. It doesn't matter if it's the same as mine. Yeah. I can still support her. Because, to be honest, I don't think there's any need for... The, in this film, there's no need for the main characters to have development as such. You know, they're, they're, they have their own issues, and it's those issues that bring them together. Yeah. Rather than, you know, they have some sort of inherent flaw in them that comes together and they all improve from it. If you get what I mean. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think another thing that I liked was, again, we've kind of already said this, but I felt like a lot of the home issues that they all had were very realistic. So basically, it is revealed, and I remember at the time feeling like this came way out of the blue, it is revealed that the reason Olivia's dad is not in the picture is because he's in prison, and he's been in prison this whole time. And I remember watching this, and I remember when they said that, thinking like, what? Prison? I'm with you. I remember at the time it seemed... For Disney Channel... That was shocking. It seemed... It was quite a strong thing to talk yeah. about. You know, someone's done... Their parent has done a crime. And yeah, it was... It, they don't tell you what he did, but she kind of says, oh, he, my mum died and then he made some really bad choices. And I was like, bad enough that he went to prison and is still there? Like, the idea of even mentioning that was so crazy to me. And I will say now, I still kind of feel like it comes a little bit out of left field. I think... Purely just because of the nature of the film it is, it's hard to set that up while... Like, it's so much stuff happens in this film. You can't really set that up in a way that feels like it's natural. But I will say I thought it was a good thing. I think it was a good thing. And I think it reminds me of um, relatively recently, I think it was in the news that Sesame Street or something added a character that was like a kid whose um, dad was in prison. And it was like, this is a really important thing to teach children that sometimes they'll meet kids who have really difficult home lives, including stuff like this. And I was like, you know, that is a really important thing to kind of get out there and be made normal. And um, I thought it was a really, I don't want to say nice. I don't think it was nice, but I think it was really well done, to be honest. And I mean, like I think we said earlier, you know, their sort of home issues seemed quite real. You know, I think... I want to call him Adam Hicks. I can't remember. When. 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 <laughs> so when Wen's whole issue is that, you know, his dad's moved on with a younger lady, but she is 28. But I, the way they did it, just seem, it seemed real in the sense that, you know, what sort of, what 16-year-old wouldn't have an issue with that happening? Yeah. It's, it's a very difficult thing. And they did it, they, Adam Hicks acted it very well. It was written very well in that he would lash out in that way. Just because it's that big change, he doesn't have his mother in his life, he feels like someone is trying to replace her. And one thing I thought was really, really good is they do show a couple of times throughout the movie that the lady, the 
uh, dad's new girlfriend is genuinely a she very is, nice lady. This is kind of the issue that I had, and this is not an issue with the film. So, like, I don't think this is a comment on the film being bad. This is genuinely, I think, why I found Wen annoying is that she's so nice to him the whole way through. But then, as a and teenager, I... you can't expect him to react. But rationally. watching the movie, you're contrasting it against all these other characters' problems that felt a lot more real than his problem. Especially like Olivia's dad was in prison. Like, I, I was like, get a grip. And I will give the movie credit that they do have an argument where she's like. You need to get a grip. At least you have a family. Yeah, and, and I, I thought that was a good moment as well because you know she's, and I think they do a really good job of showing sort of that. <laughs> it's bad to say, but like Olivia's problem was the worst. Yeah. Because there's that moment where they all go to her house to comfort her because her old cat has died, and they're all talking about the things they're struggling with, and then she like just breaks down and's like, "My, my dad's in prison," and they all just come and comfort her because they know. Yeah. That you know that's a bigger issue. They've been kind of having a little sort of well, maybe your dad's like this, but my mum's like this, and then he, she's like, "Hey, my dad's in prison," and they're all like, "Oh, okay." we realise that one of us has the worst problem here. And I think that was good. I did really like that. Um, I have a note that just says Hayley Kiyoko being a gay icon. I don't know what that was in reference to, but I stand by it. Um, I also wrote that Stella and Wen seemed like the best actors in that cast. I also think Bridget Mendler is pretty good. I think she... This is kind of how I feel about a lot of Disney Channel movies and teen movies generally is that when you have that character of like she's shy and clumsy and awkward like it can be kind of hard to play that in but a I natural way but she does well. a good job and I think that she's pretty good as well um so I remember writing that Lemonade Mouth is a terrible insult but it is a pretty good band name yeah I mean the, <laughs> they come up with the band name because the like one of the jocks is like harassing them at a uh, vending machine and uh Stella puts drinks this lemonade and spits it at him and he says, Oh lemonade mouth here did this to me which no one would say in real life. Yeah, exactly. But it works <laughs> you know, it, it works as a band name. Yeah, I think it's a good band name. Um again, I feel like the music was pretty good. Not all of it, but I was listening to um I wrote, She's so gone, they snatched Paramore's wig. Don't know if that's really accurate, having reading it back over. But I was, again, I was like, it was kind of nice to see, not strictly, but Disney Channel movies kind of branching out a little bit from the very bubblegum pop genres that a lot of their music is. The, the one thing I'll say on that is I agree. I thought actually the music was pretty good, but watching it in 2020, it seems a bit dated just because... Yeah. It, if you release that around 2008 to 2012, there were a lot of bands that did sound like that. And this was just sort of a, you know, softer version of it. So yeah. something like Metro Station, oh, you could yeah. see it like, yeah, yeah. comparing to that. But that sort of music is very dated and it wouldn't work now. Yeah. Um, but overall, actually, I thought the soundtrack, I thought the soundtrack for Lemonade Mouth, the band's music was good. I end not for Mudslide. Um, I have a, Gosh. I have quite a couple. I feel like this may be, I feel like we've been very complimentary about this. Okay, and I think this is a good point <laughs> that we'll take a break and we'll have more thoughts afterwards. Bye. Welcome back to the Deja Vu Duo podcast. So we've been talking about the things we like about Lemonade Mouth. I mean, there, it was, I, I can say this right now, it was a, 
a good movie. Um, I think it was a good movie. I don't think it's... Do you have anything anything more to add positively on this film? Um... No, I think it's kind of all essentially sub-comments on the same things of, you know, oh, this is a realistic depiction of someone's home life, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm... Um, uh, I also yeah. have the first thing I wrote is that I thought Stella was so cool when I was 14. I remember thinking that she was, like, the coolest character I'd ever seen on television. I was like, yes, I, I mean, wanted to be that. Okay. <laughs> On the point of Stella, I, th I think this is a good way to segue into things we didn't necessarily like. And I'm going to start with Stella because, look, I get it. When you have a successful family and you're not the same, it's, it, it can be a pressure. You want to be your own individual. However, I felt like sometimes with Stella, all it was was like anti-establishment for the sake of being anti-establishment. I think this brings me, I agree, and I think this brings me on to a good point, which is that I got the sense that the book was a lot darker in terms of stuff like that. So I read that apparently with Stella, they make a much bigger deal in the book about her feeling less intelligent than her family. They okay, don't sure. really go into that much in the film. Um, and even apparently at the end of the book, it's made pretty clear that she had some kind of learning disability which is like why she f was struggling so much to keep up with the rest of her family um and i think that again you can't put everything in the movie i get why they would it's tone also, that down yeah and it's a disney channel it's movie. a disney channel film i get why they are going to cut some of that stuff out but i think that it it's stuff like that that by taking it out, it kind of made her feel like she was being rebellious for the sake of it, rather than actually reacting to something. Yeah. Um, similarly, I read in the book, this is way darker, and I completely understand why they did not put this in the movie, which is in the film, right, Charlie's older brother is this super successful guy who's at Stanford, and at the end, he comes back and sees him, and he's really happy to see him. And he says, you know, it's okay that you don't, like, my grades haven't even actually been that great while I've been at Stanford. Like, you don't need to hop, put me on this pedestal. And, like, neither do our parents, basically. In the book, Charlie's backstory is that he had a twin who died in birth. Oh. And that's, like, the big, the, that idea of the, like, sibling that never was is what he and his family, like, holding him to. Which is way sadder and way darker. I mean, they can't put that they in the movie. They can't put that in the movie. But I was like, in a way, it... Um, I was like, oh, I don't know. Reading that made a lot of the stuff that happens in the film make sense, if you get what I mean. Like, just the way that the characters are. Um, so that that's one thing. Um, I wrote that these outfits were dated even in 2011. Because I thought back to being 14 and I was like, I was not wearing leggings under skirts in 2011. But it's also like, it is Disney Channel attire, you know. It's, it's very classic Disney yeah. attire, yeah. I mean, for me, I can think of a couple of things. I and mean, the main thing that just kept grinding my gears this whole movie mm -hmm. was the principal was so cartoonish. That's so funny. That's the exact word that I have written on mine about the teachers, which is that like, he... these are like, I, I think I wrote that like, other than how cartoonishly good and evil the teachers are painted as, 
like all the characters are very realistically like they have a lot of depth except for this these teachers i mean he was just like uh, he was he was just nasty for no reason and it wasn't just that he like he had his own he had a vendetta for no reason and his whole thing was oh well if i get this sponsorship for sports then it brings in more money but then he wouldn't allow any sort of freedom of expression it was just everything he did was just so over the top and the way that the the way it was written was that he sort of had that weird sort of evil grin in his face all the yeah. time but he's also never sees his comeuppance like a different movie would it was just it was just all over the place with the principal and i really didn't like it and the music teacher was just okay based on my personal experience of music teachers you should flip the principal and the music teacher around because the music teachers are the more stern. Music teachers are terrifying. They're the terrifying stern ones, whereas this one was the most eccentric, uh, over-the-top, uh, floaty, you know, sort of like Miss Grokey from Recess. Yeah, kind oh, 100% that exact woman. And I also felt like, I don't know whether this is just... In a way, it felt like they had transplanted a lot of university dynamics into a high school setting. Because I was like, yeah, arts teachers at university are like that. They are like, the funding is not enough and we should be allowed to express ourselves however we want. And I say this with much love for all of my teachers, who I love very much. But like, that is how they are. And they are not wrong to be like that. But that is not how teachers are in a school. They're just not. I mean, maybe that's just been our experience, but... And I think another one... The, the other issue I had, and this was always going to be an issue, no matter what Disney Channel movie we watch, is that some of the... Some things were just so stereotypical. Like, it was the, you know, the jocks and the cheerleaders were the bullies. Yeah. And then it's the art kids who were, um, who were like, the outcasts when, yeah. you know... I think as 21 Jump Street did a very good, uh, it did very well to show. It's That's a little bit more. It's really not really the case anymore. It's not the case anymore. It's a little bit more, not necessarily flipped, but there's a lot more integration. I mean, that was just, you know, classic Disney Channel thing that kind of got me. And then so, there was just some other things like they introduced the characters by just explaining what their background is. Yeah. More or less apart from, uh, you know, Bid Bridget Mendler's dad. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it was just like, oh, look, Stella, we've had to move after one month. Oh, look, Charlie, you've got an older brother who's I so think, successful. Um, oh, look, here's my Indian dad making me dress a certain way. And, and Which, by the way, I need, I need to weigh in on. I need to weigh in on the fact that she... The first sort of um, glimpse into her life we get is her dad drops her off at school and is like... Beta, are you wearing lipstick? And she's like, oh, no, no, it's nothing, and, like, wipes it off. Gets out of the car, and I'm like, oh, he has a problem with her wearing lipstick, but she's allowed to go to school dressed like that in the shortest skirt I've ever seen. She had heels on, which they would not allow at I'm that pretty, school. No, I'm pretty sure she got changed, didn't she? I don't think she changed. Oh. This was another... This was a sort of another issue, was that I understand they were trying to play off a bit of a stereotype of having, like, strict Indian parents. And then uh, worth noting at this point... We are Indian. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and especially the dad in this situation and, you know, having all that expectation, which to a degree was, is reality. You know, I think a lot of second generation immigrants would be able to relate. However, I just felt like they intentionally made the dad worse than it is in reality. Like some of the things 
that the dad doesn't want her to do, I don't think really happened. Maybe that's just from our experience. No, I um, completely agree with you and I completely understand where you're coming from, which is that I kind of started thinking at some point, I was like, is it just because we come from a quite a musical family that we wouldn't have the problem that these kids have? Which is, this isn't just from Mo, this is almost all of them have this issue with their families where they don't their parents don't want them to be super into music and they like want them to be doing something else instead and it's understandable to a point in that charlie's mum kind of says something like oh you're not gonna get into stanford by playing drums all day and you know mo's parents are kind of like you should be studying i get it however it's almost like they don't acknowledge the fact that being interested in music is a good thing and Mm. It is not something that I've ever come across with anybody I know where you're... I, I, the idea of your parents being like, you shouldn't want to play an instrument is crazy to me. It's the opposite, is with, the experience that I've had. I mean, with Mo in particular, what was... They show a couple of times... Okay, they make her practice in the living room in front of I need of to point out, she's so bad at the violin. <laughs> I didn't realise this at the time. And watching it now, there's a bit where she's practising some classical music. And later on, she says she's classically trained. She's terrible at the violin. But that's besides the point. I think, apart from all that nonsense mm. that happens, you know, they, they're trying to make a point that, oh, the parents only cl- care about, I think, classical yeah. uh, music, if, if they're going to do any music. But in reality, I think, you know, writing a song with four other people is difficult. And to do that is very impressive. And then, to, you know, to enter a competition which they genuinely had potential to win yeah. is a big achievement. So it, just, if they just haven't me, all you know. been legitimately sick and injured, this is the thing that this is not again. I don't think this is really a real criticism of the movie. I was just something that kind of annoyed me was the idea that when they all go on for the final thing and they're all like not in any state to play and so they don't do well like all of them individually and i guess i understand this from a sort of teenage mind perspective put this on themselves as some kind of personal failing like we've done so badly we've screwed up the rising star thing i was like you're all sick and injured like of course you're not doing a good job yeah i mean to be honest with this film it was only really small things like that i there was one thing though which was for some reason, all this time, mm-hmm. I thought that Wen got his, like... Because I remember seeing him... I remember when we when they first advertised this movie, they show him with the bruise in the adverts and yeah. stuff. And for some reason, I had it in my head that he got punched. I also, even after seeing the incident where he, like, the painting hits him in the eye, I was like, how weird is it that he didn't get punched to get this injury? I mean, it looks like someone's just full-on whacked him in the face, even yeah. though what's happened is and the corner of be... a painting has hit him in the eye, which would have damaged his actual eye. I know, I was like, I was shocked that all he got was a black eye from that. Um, but yeah, I was like, it would not be out of the realm of possibility in this film for someone to have punched him in the face. No doubt. Oh, um, one thing I wanted to say was Mudslide Crush, terrible. Um, they, they, they annoyed me because... they Firstly, it was like, just someone was like, hey, remember the Beastie Boys? And oh, then just... Yeah. It, it wasn't <laughs> even the Beastie Boys. They were just like some lowbrow version of like Linkin Park or Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just some sort of Disney Channel equivalent. And the, the I two think the songs issue that I had were not, was were not any good. Yeah, I agree. The issue that I had with it was that I think it would have made made a better film if they had been musically just a different genre. 
The issue with them is that their lyrics are completely insane. They're like, you wish you were us, just over and over, and stuff like that. And they're like, my girl's hotter than your girl, my ride's better than your ride. I was like, what kind of lyrics are these that everyone's like, yay! I mean, they were clearly popular, so in the world of Lemonade Mouth, Um, uh, One other thing that I hadn't, again, these are pretty minor issues that I, you could maybe pick this for any musical, but maybe not, which is that in most musicals, right, I'm trying to think of just a normal, normal musical. Um, I know, Chicago. When they... When Which a... one? The one from Victorious or the real one? Chicago! <laughs> so the Victorious one. No, no, no. In in the proper Chicago, um, a song comes on and it's clearly like, yeah, everyone knows the words and it's like, but clearly it's it's a musical. Whereas in this film, all the music is like diegetic sound in that all the music is like stuff that's being played in universe. It's not like an external song that comes about like oh it's not like oh a time for a musical number it's like they play a song and that's why a song's happening oh right? I, I understand what you're saying yes however they do that and then it's like harmony is coming out of nowhere and but don't you think it, it... it's a bit weird to me that they all know the words to these songs that like they clearly they clearly don't they haven't practiced because at one point stella's like Whoa, Olivia, you wrote that? I'm like, yeah, have you not talked about this before you all played it together? But I think it works in the film in the sense that it still is kind of that idea of in a musical universe you will suddenly burst into song. Maybe it's not so much in the in the way of a of a standard musical where it's oh, just everyone a musical into song. It's a, where it's yeah, where it's just like a musical number instead of like saying the words. This is actually oh, they went and actually played music. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do I know. I think that well. it's... I, I understand where you're, where you're coming from, but I think you kind of you do have to suspend belief a little bit. But I think that's my issue is that if I'm watching your typical musical, even if we compare it to again High School Musical, my I've already suspended my disbelief to a certain level, right? Like they. Sure. They're gonna break out into song. It's gonna be something that talks about the how the characters are feeling or something that's happening in the plot. Um, this I was like, oh, this is like a very grounded, real movie. And then for them to kind of suddenly, there would be some things that make me go like, huh, what? To be fair, they only do that. <laughs> they only once. do that like once or twice. They only do that once with that first song, which I think is the best one. Okay. That's my personal take. I think that I think they do it. At, there's another point they do it, but I don't remember. I think I'd already gotten over it by that point. But the, the other time <laughs> they do it is when they've already written it, and it's they it's the same song, and it's when they're in the holding cell. Oh, it's not. That's not what I'm talking about. But yeah, there's that. Also, oh, worth noting. Very weird watching that, knowing that Adam Hicks then did get arrested in real life. <laughs> oh really? He like went to jail. Do you not know about this? He he got arrested. I think he's pled not guilty as of now. Sure. To like, like robbery, like a serious crime. Oh, I mean, I thought he acted really well in this movie. He was very bad. good in the film. Yeah, but um, he is apparently a criminal. Oh, what is it with these Disney stars, eh? I know. Mitchell oh, Russo. Um, I I think that brings us on nicely to. It's interesting to me that I would say maybe this movie is not not considered one of the most, like, not that it's an unpopular film, I don't think it was badly received or anything, but, like, I don't think it's 
was as much part of the zeitgeist as something like High School Musical or whatever. But it has, like, produced some stars. Like, Hayley Kyoko is really famous. And I think, and Naomi Scott as well, obviously, being in Aladdin. Um, Hayley Kyoko, I think, stands out for me more because she fully just doesn't do anything with Disney anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely did. I mean, Naomi Scott, for a little bit typecast, I don't know if you've seen the newest Power Rangers movie that came out. No, I haven't. But the premise is almost exactly the same in that she goes to detention, gets in <laughs> with these, like, sort of ragtag <laughs> misfits, and then they become this... I mean, they become superheroes and Power Rangers, but yeah. similar premise. Yeah, I see what you... I, that, that's really funny about Power Rangers. I haven't seen it, so but I wouldn't know. No, you're, you're right. I mean, I don't know what Blake Michael's doing. Um, I d- he was in some m- Lifetime movie called, like, I Killed My Best Friend. <laughs> okay, well, that's something I'm not going to watch. Oh, and he was in Dog with a Blog. That is something else I won't watch, but... Um, but, you know, Bridget Mendler had a TV show for a long time and I think she and she's made she's had appearances on like other sitcoms and stuff so you're right I think they did produce some good talent I think it's yeah I think part of it is that they cast genuinely talented people in this movie like uh, all of them that sing can clearly sing and have gone on to do that in whatever they've been doing whether like obviously Naomi Scott and Bridget Miller are still mainly acting but, like, Bridget Mendler did have a singing career, and, like, that's all that Hayley Kyoko is doing. Um, and, again, like, I I don't think Naomi Scott's acting was very good in this, but I also think maybe she's a bit, bit of a victim of the script. But, I think this was also maybe one of, like, her first major she, roles. I don't think, had been in much before this. Um, and I think, as far as I'm aware, this was, like, the first time she'd ever been in something not in England. Probably. I mean, I just remember when Power Rangers got announced and it's like, oh, it's the English girl from Lemonade Mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I think that they managed to do quite well with the casting and I think that was pretty impressive. So, for a final judgement, what would you say? Would you recommend or is this going in the bin? I think we need to change going in the bin. What about we lose it to the sands of time? But then this would get lost to the sands of time, I feel, in real life. Like, no, no, but that's what I mean. Like, would we put it in our own personal archive to keep? Or, like, would we get rid of it to the sands of time? And I would say no. This is our opinion. Okay. Well, where where would you go with this? I would, I would say this was a good movie that I think holds up pretty well, all things considered. Um, and I think we should keep it. And I'm completely with you. I... I think I probably rated it a lot more when I was younger. Um, maybe just because I related more to teenage angst at the time. Yeah, same. Um, but overall, I mean, really, I think it was a good movie, especially by Disney Channel standards. You know, and I was thinking while watching it, if they dropped something like this on Netflix now, I feel like it would be very popular. Oh, kids would be all over this. This movie was better than The Kissing Booth. Well, that's something I haven't seen and don't plan to either. <laughs> but if you rate it that way, then exactly. Netflix, <laughs> if this was made now, Netflix would be all over it and I think it would be really, really popular. Yeah. Uh, so that concludes this week's episode of the Deja Vu Duo podcast. Join us next week for the first of our two fish-based movies, Shark Tale. Okay, I wasn't aware that was what we were watching, but cool. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>